Hi, this is Carolyn Neil Lachlan, your hostess with the mostest of From Paper to People podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 150, The Mighty Ducks Movie Review. Chris McBride, along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. You'll find Derek on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM, and I'm on Twitter at C McBrien, and popgoesyourworld.com is our website with all of our contact information. Now, before we get started, Derek, I mentioned on our previous show, uh, this week it's it was my turn to nominate a Gen X movie for us to review, but I also mentioned that I, I used to be a, a somewhat successful podcaster in the world of fantasy baseball. And although I, I no longer host the Dear Mr. Fantasy podcast, I've, I've stayed very connected to the fantasy industry. And in addition to being a podcaster myself, I still listen to several fantasy baseball podcasts. And one of the very best, in my opinion, out there is the Dingers podcast. Um, and of course, it's the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. That's the one thing I like about it. Uh, so I got talking to Robbie Baseball, who co-hosts the show, and he mentioned that we should do a podcast here on the 1992 movie, The Mighty Ducks. And believe it or not, I had never actually seen that movie. So I invited him on the show to review the movie with us. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Robbie Baseball himself, Robert Rose. Robbie, welcome to the show. Quack, oh, yes. oh. quack, quack, quack. Go <laughs> yes. Ducks! Nice. <laughs> so how are you doing, my friend? Not only are you a fellow podcaster, you're a fellow fantasy baseball podcaster, and you're a fellow Canadian. So we really like you already. Trifecta. Yeah, no, I'm good. So fantasy baseball-wise... You know, playoffs have started in the leagues in which you're doing playoffs. Uh, the Roto or Rotisserie Leagues, they still got a month to go. So um, because I like to think I'm good at fantasy baseball, I've got buys in two of my uh, big money leagues, so I don't have to worry about scheduling and lineups this week. But in the Roto, you know, the grind continues. Um, you know, life is good, as so to speak, for 2020, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on Twitter at RobbieBaseball1. That is correct. The number one, because I was trying to make it as short as possible and then decided, oh, well, I need baseball in the title. So there you go. And Robbie is R-O-B-B-I-E. So that's absolutely before we get just started, like my mom say before we get started, I got two things I just want to mention. First of all, uh, is Ty a dad yet? I listened to the show last week and it sounded like he was going to be a dad like at any minute. Absolutely. He is. I believe it was on Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember, but he sent me a photo of an infant with a gigantic beard. So I know oh, it happened. There you go. Uh, <laughs> makes sense. Okay. And the other thing I wanted to mention was that on your show, I know you're a very big fan of having a beverage or two while you record. 100%. And I wanted to let you know that we encourage that behavior around here as well. And I know the thing is, I know you guys, we always talk about how you like glass, you know, bottles for your yep. beverages. Unfortunately, I've got a can, so I'm opening this up right now. So just let you I know. I also have a can. Yes. <laughs> nice. So well, I've I've got a can that I already opened, but I do have a bottle of Maker's Mark, and it doesn't make the noise, so I'm not going to bother. But uh, I appreciate it, gentlemen. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a tall boy drinker. 
uh, yeah. myself. So, but what, what are you guys diving into tonight? I'm having myself a nice Canadian Labatt Blue. Derek? Ooh. And I'm a girl drink drunk, so I'm having a <laughs> Pop Shop Cream Soda Hard Soda. Oh, that's all right. We can, you can take that. Um, I like it. Now, we usually start off the show by discussing what's new in the world of pop culture uh, in our respective world. So, Derek, why don't we start with you? First of all, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Thank you for remembering yes. that I'm here. Yes. I felt a little forgotten there for the first few yeah. minutes. <laughs> Sorry, man. Uh, what's new in the, in the world of pop culture for you? So uh, I mentioned last week that I had started watching a documentary series on Netflix. I believe it's called High Score. It's about the uh, history of the video game yes. industry. Yes. So I finished watching that six episodes. It was fantastic. Oh, nice. Even if you're not a video game type of person, I think there's a lot to learn about the industry and some of the decisions that were made to sort of bring it from its infancy to where it's, where where it is now. It's quite good. So I finished that. I also had a chance to watch a classic, and I mean, this is a classic, 1987 nice. movie, Broadcast News. Oh, that's a good one. Chris, have you seen it? I have. It is It is really, really good. Uh, the, the acting performances in it, Albert Brooks was outstanding, but even William Hurt, when he's like trying to cry on camera, and it was all phony, and and then Holly Hunter, it was a, that's a good movie. Yeah, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, it's one of those ones that had been on my watch list for quite some time. And then just out of the blue, I decided, you know, I kind of want to watch something I've never seen before. And I sat down and I thought, oh boy, it's long. It's like runs over two hours. Mm-hmm. But I was, I, I couldn't stop watching. It's great. I mean, it's uh, Albert Brooks or not Albert, yeah, James L. Brooks is the writer and director. I mean, he's, he's got a fantastic resume. So oh, I thought, okay, given that, yeah. yeah, given that, given the, the, the three leads, given that they were all nominated for Oscar performances, given that the movie was nominated for best picture, best director, best writing. I thought this, this can't possibly live up to the hype, but it was fantastic. I really liked it. I thought it really holds up like the message, uh, the whole idea of like, it's behind the scenes at a television studio. So right. obviously that in itself is a little dated, but the uh, the methodology behind how they get the message out was was uh, still holds up. And then the last thing I just want to give sort of a, a sneak preview to is well, not even so much sneak preview, but uh, later this week, ep- season two of the Amazon series The Boys uh, is going to be released. This is a superhero story about what if people had superpowers and then they cashed in. Oh, you want to be a part of this world's Justice League of America? We're going to have auditions and the top seven people are going to get a huge paycheck and you're going to get to endorse products. And it's it's this very cynical look at how would greed affect people with superpowers? And uh, season one ended with sort of a pretty good dun, dun, dun. So I'm really looking forward to season two, which drops in just a couple of days. Nice. OK, I got something for you. My wife, went, my wife went away to the trailer this week with her oldest son. So me and my seven year old got to spend a boys night together. And I said to him, I said, you can pick any movie that you want and we'll watch it together. Derek, you'll never believe what he said. He says, Daddy, I want to watch Star Wars. And I was like, oh, that's great. But we've already seen Star Wars. We've seen Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Which one do you want to watch again? And he says to me, Daddy, I want to watch the one where Darth Vader is a little boy. Oh. And I'm like, you mean The Phantom Menace? As in one of the prequels? So, so Robbie, just as some background, let's just say I'm not a fan of the prequels. Uh, I, I may have mentioned on a previous podcast that the prequels don't even exist in my world. <laughs> uh, but man, oh man. So, so we ordered a pizza together and we settled in and we watched The Phantom Menace. 
the things we do for our kids, <laughs> I tell you, it sucked just as bad as I remembered. The only thing I will say is this. The pod race sequence wasn't entirely awful. Except for Greg Proops doing the voiceover. And then, of course, that stupid, crappy CGI job. But anyway, oh, jeez. So, Chris, a follow-up question to yes. that. Yeah. How did you, sorry, how old's your son? Seven, eight? Uh, he's seven. So how did the seven-year-old enjoy this movie? Because it clearly, that was the market that they were shooting right. for. Did he enjoy it? Halfway through the movie, he said, I'm done watching it, Daddy. And I was like, yes, you are my son. <laughs> okay, great. fair enough. Yep, no, he didn't really like it, so... Uh, Robbie, uh, I know baseball's going on, as you mentioned. You, you're pretty much focused on that, but anything else going on you want to talk about? Uh, I've been also watching, like Derek, a documentary on Netflix called Cobra Kai. Oh, um, I've heard about this. <laughs> not I think it's so much a documentary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like the Karate Kid one, right? Uh, yeah, it is. And um, it. I, I am enjoying it. I, you know, I... I grew up, I'm a, you know, early eighties born guy. So I'm technically like an elder millennial. Um, but I, you know, I know karate kid, I know the stance. And it, if you have never seen karate kid, you could easily watch Cobra Kai and just like pick it up and be good. But if you have the appreciation for the original, it kind of like, you know, y- you get to blush a bit at some of the things that go on. It's, it's enjoyable. Um, but now I'm into season two and I'm interested to see exactly how it develops. But uh, I do enjoy that. And, and otherwise, non TV related. My, I've got a four year old. And two days ago, we taught him how to cast, um, you know, for fishing. And today we went to a pond and no tree or sorry, no, no fish were caught. But he did hook himself into a tree four times before we realized that after I finished, you know, getting getting his hook down the last time, we should probably get to a more open area. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah aside from the, the Cobra Kai uh, redemption story. If that's really what it is. Um, I, I do, I do enjoy that. And yeah, I have cut down considerably on my television outside of, you know, baseball, since that's what I constantly circle back to. So, well, if you're an early eighties born guy and you, that makes you a millennial, I reserve the fact to be able to, to refer to you as young man, at least once throughout the, uh, the podcast tonight. That's for sure. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it <laughs> now. Now, Robbie, I should mention, like, I'm an old guy. Right. And and I'm an old guy, but I have young kids. So that makes me a really, really lame dad. And I also like to tell a lot of jokes. So here's your dad joke of the week. Waiting for this one. OK, now I figured since we're reviewing the Mighty Ducks tonight that I give you guys a hockey dad joke. All right. So here goes, guys. Why are hockey games so hot during covid? I, I have can't no idea. This answer <laughs> because there's no fans. Oh, oh man. <laughs> okay. Chris, let me ask you do, you: do you make these up, or do you like go to the internet and specifically look for these kinds of things? That one I made up. Of course you did. Yeah. I'm good. Okay. With it. Okay. I'm good with that, it. That has Chris's stamp all over it. Yeah. Okay. Let's, all right. Let's move on. Okay. Here we go. Pin on your uniform, Doctor. Ooh, ooh. Doctor Detroit. Detroit. Oh yes, the Haley Selassie Pavilion. Oh yes. yes. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. Whiskey. Fun prophylactic. Soiled. Yep. Bring him home. You're my friend. I'm gonna try and help you. Randy Jackson from the Jackson Five. Really? In Philadelphia, it's worth fifty bucks. Stop. Look at that S car go. Okay, now as I mentioned this week, it was my turn to nominate a movie. 
And Robbie mentioned to me on Twitter, he loved the movie The Mighty Ducks. And although it's a Gen X movie, I had never actually seen it. So it just worked out that he could join us and we can talk about this movie. Now, before we get into a deep dive on the movie, Robbie, which we will do, we always do. I think you mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, that this is one of your favorite movies of all time. So maybe you can start us off by explaining just why it is that you love this movie so much. So take it away. Yeah, I mean, I was 10 when it came out. I grew up with the franchise, which, of course, this is the best trilogy of all time. No arguments needed, guys. Don't don't hang up. Don't kick me off the call. Um, is it? Hold on. Is it better than the prequels? There, there weren't. Oh, like you mean the Star Wars? Yeah, the Star Wars prequels that I hate so much. Chris, you must agree it's better than that. Oh yeah, of (laughs) course. Having seen them, you must. Oh, Um, you know, watching paint dry is better than the prequels, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, you know, the first one was definitely different than second and third, which were far more commercial style, which often happens, right? The first movie has like a written storyline. The next two are kind of there to make money or whatever it is that they want to push. But I, I really genuinely grew up loving it. And, and you know, it's hockey based. I, I lived in northern Ontario, small town, uh, Wawa, baby, and not the uh, convenience store in the U.S. But um, it was it was my world, you know, and, and when the guys went on the second one and they were, you know, Team USA and then the third one, they were the uh, junior team going up against the varsity team. Like all of that was my world, except for the fact we didn't have high school hockey. But I, I was able to encapsulate also. It's so good. And and plus, like, you know, a, an NHL franchise took the name and the whole thing was just like amazing for my growth. So when I reference back or watch it again, like, you know, I'm quoting it as I go. I, I no one will sit with me to watch it, but I would annoy anyone that would because I know the lines like I'm I'm laughing at Cartman. I'm laughing at everything because that was just what I was brought up with, you know, like they that's me in a nutshell, like different levels of hockey player and things like that. I just, I love the thing top to bottom. Okay. Uh, Derek, had you seen the mighty ducks previous to this week? I had seen it once before Mm -hmm. in the mid nineties when I worked at blockbuster video and we had an enormous amount of free rentals. We basically watched everything. And that was definitely when I saw this movie for the first and only time. I don't remember it being I didn't remember it being the world's greatest movie or even the world's greatest hockey movie. Not okay. that there are a lot to choose from. Um, so I, I was sort of indifferent to it. And when you suggested last week, we're going to watch the Mighty Ducks. I thought, OK, well, maybe with a little distance, uh, I, I'll find more things to enjoy out of it. And it'll make a stronger impression upon me when I watch it again this time. So that was sort of my frame of reference coming in. How that work out? Well, uh, let's just say it, I still don't think it's the best hockey movie okay, they ever made, fair. but uh, we can get into some of the specifics as we go. Yeah. But there were a lot of nice little Easter eggs in there if you are a hockey person, and we could talk about those too. I I love Gen X movies, and I, I'm, I'm a Canadian, so I love hockey. So I, I went into this with an open mind, never having seen it. I had an idea that it was about Emilio Estevez as a coach of, you know, some down-on-their-luck team or something like that. And, you know, that's pretty much what it was. Um, but, yeah, I, and, and the thing is, Robbie, you, you seem like a great guy. Uh, but just real, <laughs> just, just real oh, no. He's not saying that you are. He says that you seem <laughs> like a great no, guy. No, like, you're, you're, a, you're a wonderful human being. I, I've gotten to know you now for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't like this movie very much. So uh, it, a couple things about it, and we're going to get into a deep dive in it. We'll, we'll pick it apart from top to bottom. I found that, I know this is going to sound 
completely crazy coming from me, Derek, and you're going to get all over me for this one. But for me, I, I, I say every week that a lot of the Gen X movies that we watch, they, they, they age well. You know what I mean? Like, it, they don't seem all that dated. This movie, and I'm going to give examples throughout this podcast, I can't believe how dated it is. It just comes off as incredibly dated, which is okay. It's not a, not a big thing. But it also came off to me as being very, very poor production values. It seemed like, yes. I, I want to say, like, lowest common denominator filmmaking. Like it just it just it, like the lighting was bad, like the direction was bad, the script was bad. I was like, what? The, uh, anyway, so anyway, so let's just let's just get into this a little bit. So the movie opens up with a kid taking a penalty shot in the big game, and you can figure out right away this is obviously Emilio Estevez as a kid, right? And he hits the post, and his team loses the big game. So he's the goat. You know, here. And, and it's not like the, the way the kids say today when they, they say GOAT, you know, stands for greatest of all time. You know, uh, he's a scapegoat, right? Obviously, with them losing. And he has to shoulder this, this, this pain for the rest of his life. And it turns out that he grows up to be a lawyer and he's in court arguing a case. And right away, I recognize the actor playing the judge in this scene. Derek, I don't know if you, if you spot him because we just reviewed Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins on a recent podcast, and the actor playing the judge was General Scott Watson in that movie. So I thought that was oh, kind of cool. that's where he was from. I recognize him, too. I'm like, yeah. this guy looks more familiar than he probably should. And that's what, yeah, so he was in Remo. So I was like, oh, this baby, this movie's going to be good. I'm, I like this. And I, I like, 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 I just want to just circle back to this because of all the Gen X movies we've reviewed here on the show, and there's been lots, I think this one might be the most dated one of them all. There's lots of examples throughout the movie. Like I say, I'm going to get into them, but it starts with the fact that the scene at the law firm, the secretary is sitting at her desk using a typewriter before everyone had PCs <laughs> and it just stood out to me right away. So, um, so anyway, Robbie, that's kind of, you know, we're going to get into this movie scene by scene and we'll break it down. But just as my initial, um, you know, feedback on it, I, I didn't like it very much. Please don't hate me. Please don't hate me. It's, it's okay. So that was your intro. I would say, you know, all right, everybody close your eyes. Classic flashback. The kid needs to get the goal in the Wee championship game. But the part that was weird of that, and I agree mm-hmm. with this, is he misses the penalty shot, but they don't lose. They go into overtime. Right? But later, yeah. Later, they don't lose the later game. In the just, movie, later in the movie, they do say they do lose in overtime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's what that's what. He, yeah, that's the point. Is that and th- they also flashback. Oh, sorry, sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so that, that to me takes away from the drama of the scene. It's like 100%. If, 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 he missed, if he missed the shot, you're like, oh, it's over. Oh, no, now we're going to overtime. Like, well, then who cares? This guy just scored well, 200 goals. He'll just score one in overtime. Like, oh, it's just so dumb. Hang on. No, no. I think I think that the the real thing. So you got to let's go into our way back machines to okay. the 90s. Oh, I like to dig when back when Fox Sports got the opportunity to broadcast oh, no. NHL hockey games on oh, Sunday yeah, afternoon to the American <laughs> television audience who for the most part was not interested with or familiar with professional hockey. And so you had to teach the audience the rules as they were trying to understand what this sport was all about. And you had things like the Fox track puck that had a blue glow around it that when they took slap shots had a red trail behind it. They'd had all these gimmicks and they had like commercials with the NHL stars that were explaining like, what does icing mean? And, and all of those things because hockey wasn't uh, beloved south of the border as it is here in Canada. And the vast majority of the viewing audience had no idea how this game works. And I think the Mighty Ducks movie came out just ahead of that 
and it was suffering from a little bit of the same where they spent some of the movie trying to educate the audience about hockey. But at the same time, I think they took advantage of the fact that the majority of the audience wouldn't know enough about hockey, that things like that penalty shot at the beginning, people just see it and mm-hmm. set up as this big dramatic scene. And it's not until later in the movie through some dialogue where you hear them say like, yeah, they went on to lose in overtime. And then you realize, Oh, it's not that he lost because he didn't score as much as he felt if he had scored and they had won, he would have been the hero, but because he didn't, he felt the responsibility for the loss, despite the fact that, He's not the goalie. He didn't let the puck in in overtime. But again, I think it was part of that. Let's let's lean on the fact that a lot of our audience isn't necessarily going to understand the rules of hockey. They're just here to bring their kids to a, a, a kid's movie. I remember two people saying that this movie kind of facilitated um, hockey's expansion into the United States. You know, and maybe they made that connection because, you know, obviously Anaheim made a, had a franchise named the Mighty Ducks. And I'll touch base on that again in a minute. But I mean, it, it, it like the thing was, it wasn't this movie. It was Wayne Gretzky getting traded from Edmonton to the L.A. Kings facilitated the United hockey going into the United States. Not this movie. I'll say that. Uh, one thing I just wanted to mention is just on the top of my mind. We were talking about the guy from Remo Williams. Um, I recognized another actor from a Gen X movie in this Emilio Estevez's boss. It was Joseph Summer. He was yep. the guy that played the uh, police Mr. chief Duffel? Schaefer in Witness. Remember when we reviewed yes. Witness here on the show? Yeah, one of my yeah, favorite yeah. Gen X movies too. So, I, so again, at this point in the movie, I'm thinking, hey, there's some actors I recognize in this. I think I might like this. And the next scene, Emilio Estevez is driving around town in his car, drinking a beer. Something that was much more prevalent in 1992 than it is today, again, dating the movie. So he gets pulled over and he gets sentenced to do community service. And then his boss gets him off, just showing that age old fact of the American justice system that the powerful and the connected always elude justice. Right. And I just thought when this happened, I thought this is probably not the best message to be sending in a Disney film, the drinking and driving (laughs) and the getting off because you're connected. It's okay if you have a boss that can manage (laughs) it. But but Chris, as we have noticed in many of the Gen X movies we reviewed, uh, which this one was a very good example is that I don't remember seeing anyone in this film smoking. Whereas yeah, in most point. of the movies yeah. from the eighties, everybody's got yeah. cigarettes, even the teachers and the doctors and the everybody would have been so, great in the I'll, scene when the, the kid's mom comes and they first meet, if she just whipped out a cigarette and just let it out. Like, <laughs> so or so Amelia walks nine, up to the door and whips it away as he knocks or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By, by 92, we knew enough to not portray smoking and glamorize it in a children's movie. But at the same time, we didn't know enough to not glamorize the upsides of drinking and driving. Um, <laughs> right. Such that, that, you know, obviously no such thing as an upside to drinking and driving. But you <laughs> right. know what I mean? Yeah. Lots of examples in this movie that show that stark difference between 1992 and 2020. And one of one of the many ones. We see early, okay, because it's the scene when the inner city kind of punk kids, they put dog poop in a purse to fool someone. That's just so 1992, because if this movie, if this movie was made today, they'd be doing something way worse. I'll tell you that, you know. And well, they'd be stealing something online. Exactly. Right? They wouldn't yeah. be out running around like feeding a dog beans or whatever it was and then <laughs> putting a buck in a purse and getting some jerk to pull over and, you know, oh, he's getting what he deserves. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's reinforced when Emilio Estevez shows up in the limo and the kids are all like, 
hey, man, we don't want no drug dealers in our yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's a much Not more innocent drug dealer time. in the 90s? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Just, I don't know. And then... Another thing that dated the movie was the kids are skating around on the ice, and one of them says, Pete Meister, the rabble rouser, passing the puck over, which is just this obvious reference to that SNL sketch from the 90s with Rob Schneider at the copy machine. I don't know if you guys remember yep. that, but it's, oh, yeah. it's so yeah. dated, right? And then another thing that dates it, that Emilio Estevez immediately turns to the kid and says, if you need anything, just fax me. And I'm like, oh, jeez, again. Which so, was supposed to, I assume, sound like important at high tech. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Because he has yeah. a cell phone in the limo, right? Right. And that's Averman, who Averman is like, when I was my most annoying as a kid, I was Averman. You know, like just the annoying little sound bites that nobody wanted to hear, but like had to say something that like I was Averman. So I saw myself in him and I remember thinking like, you know, because later on he goes like swing, swing, bada, bada, and they're like, uh, Averman, this is hockey. And he's like, shoot. Bad about or shoot player player player, player. save go to go to go to go to and like yeah see I like Averman you know crappy hockey player funny guy maybe that's another thing that dates the movie too is when he's saying swing bada 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 swing bada which is Cameron's line from Ferris Bueller's Day Off too which you know um, that's that's endured but a couple other actors I want to touch base on that were in other like Gen X stuff that were in this now I didn't recognize them until I looked it up but the kid that played Charlie was Joshua Jackson from Dawson's Creek. Now, I never know that. Yeah, I, I never know that. Yeah, I never watched that yeah. show. Um, but I, so I, I wouldn't know because I just always wasn't into that show. And then for me, the other one that stood out was the chauffeur driver. I, I couldn't yeah. not. He was put in my, Lost. Yeah. I, is that what it was? Yes. Yeah, that was, that was it. That oh. was, I couldn't put my finger on it. What was the character in Lost? He was the gay guy that was part of the, uh, the others that, w- that, 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 at the end of season one that said, we need to take the boy. Yeah. Yes. Now I remember that. Thank you, Derek. It was bugging yeah. me. I was it, like, it, I remember that because in one of the recaps for law at the start of every season of Lost, they did a recap. This is what happened last season. And there was a recap. I think it was the very last season of Lost where they basically recapped the previous five seasons of the show in like 60 seconds. And as they're rhyming through what happens, they make a lot of like little off the cup remarks and they called that guy Mr. Friendly. And yes. during the recap, there's a scene where they go, they're playing football and they go, oh, by the way, Mr. Friendly can't catch a football. And then they show this bad scene where like someone throws him an easy throw with a football and he fumbles it. And it, for some reason in my mind, every time I see this guy, I, I'd say to the screen, Mr. Friendly can't catch a football. That's what <laughs> that's. I don't know why I remember that, but that's what I remember. I'm glad you brought that because that was bugging me the whole time. And. Another thing, I, I recognized a name from the opening credits, and that was Jussie Smollett. Now, I don't know of his work, but I remember he got into trouble with the law recently, oh, like yeah. earlier this year, because he staged a racist and homophobic attack on himself in Chicago. What the hell was the deal with that? You're telling in today's United States, you have to stage a racist and homophobic attack on yourself? I mean, really? That was weird. Um, so anyway, Emilio Estevez goes into this arena and he's looking at all the championship banners hanging from the rafters and there's all these first place championship banners and then there's just one that says second place and you just know that's the year that he missed the penalty shot right and then he meets his old coach who's still coaching little league hockey 20 years later what's up with that that's hey that's normal guys coach riley is part of the institution of the hawks (laughs) And he has the jacket. Like, once you have the jacket, what else are you possibly going to do in your spare time? 
Collar pop all day long on Coach <laughs> Riley, baby. Collar pop. Oh, jeez. And, and, and the guy who played, sorry, the guy who played Coach Riley, yeah. where I always remember him from was um, the Superman series, the Lo- Adventures of Lois and Clark with Dean Kane as Superman and Terry Hatcher as uh, as Lois Lane. This guy, uh, who was the coach, played Perry White, the, the the editor of the newspaper where they worked, and for, that's the that is where I always remember him from. I think he's like he's been a working actor for years, you know. Like oh my god, not, yeah, yeah. His IMDb page is, uh, is runs forever. And and I, I love the team because they're like this rich team. They got all the top of the line equipment and jerseys. And and Emilio Estevez's team is they're poor, right? I mean, one kid's got a sweater with his name on the back and masking tape. <laughs> Another one's wearing a football helmet. Like it's just you know, it's so over the top. Hey, that's right? Conway, baby. He's got and then the old goalie mask that's on Charlie. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing I, I thought that you know, not that you missed it by any stretch, but so you go to like this is Pee Wee House League hockey, right? Like House League hockey, low lowest level as far as like the cost to play and you've got the district five team playing on a pond and the Hawks at the, like their own arena lined with their own banners. But tell me what happened to district five. <laughs> you know, like why, why is there that much parody? Within, it's, you know, city hockey, but it's, there. it's called gerrymandering and it, it's not limited to voting districts. <laughs> that comes up later. It as does. Part of that. Yeah, they, they do. They have the scene with the gerrymandering, the whole district. And that's when they have to kick the, that Banks kid off and all that stuff. So the kids play their first game and they just get slaughtered. And I, I, I was relating to this scene. So just a, a quick aside, my son started playing hockey last year and his team got to play in a tournament back in January. And when we got there, the other teams were basically all these like professional rep teams. And it was just awful. The first game, they lost 30 to nothing. Oh my Jeez. God. At least Come I stopped. On. You don't run up the score. Come I, on. That's not a good Canadian. I know. I stopped counting at 30 they actually. put them up. I bet. Right. They leave it at five, nothing yeah. all game long. No, I stopped counting at 30. And, and then the thing is, I, I think that there's parents and coaches that actually like this sort of thing. You know, like the other team in that game of my sons, you could tell they were going for records, like most individual scored in a game, like go for that, you know, and stuff. And they were like taunting the other team, like they were taunting our team. And like, I almost got a fight in the arena because I was like, hey, man, what are you doing? Like, you know, you don't do this to these kids. And so I could really relate to the kind of the the concept of the, of the Hawks and kind of what goes on, because it seems far fetched, but it actually does happen. I've seen it firsthand. Well, Chris, as Coach Riley says, mm-hmm. it's not worth winning if you can't win big. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's like a, the a lot Hawks of, a lot of mantra. Life lessons. Absolutely, and I, I live that to this day. But I understand, yeah, like it, it, like the ethics of kicking the potatoes out of a team, even the Hawks taking on you know the the District Five at this point in time, or or as you would reference real life. Absolutely, it happens because sometimes in a tournament, it's the goal differential, which completely ruins competitive play or fair play. And I mean, you know, hockey has its own issue with parents like you had said, almost got in a fight. It happens. Guys get hot tempered because when they were, you know, that age, they were the hot shot. And now their kid isn't. And, you know, life isn't fair and living vicariously through children and stuff, which doesn't come into the movie, but it does come into Canadian hockey. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. My issue was, was, was more with the coach, but even the way some of the parents, like there were parents that were, they were right next to us for, for the other team that were like, wow, man, this team sucks. God, they're suck. I'm like, what? Classy. What the hell are you <laughs> talking about? And my wife is like, stop, don't do this. And I'm like, what the hell is your problem? Like it was, uh, it wasn't fun. Um, 
Another scene I can relate to was one of the kids on the ducks gets a breakaway and then he misses and he slides <laughs> headfirst into the end boards. So like totally I, I said, my, my son just started playing hockey and I mean, heck before last, he never even skated before. And so the thing was, he starts playing hockey and he couldn't stop. Like he could skate and then he couldn't stop. So, and then I was telling him about, you know, his shots. I was like, if you want to put some power into your shots, you got to use a slap shot. You got to hit it hard. So then this game, my son gets a breakaway and you could just see that he was thinking about what I told him because he's coming down on the goalie and then he stops and like he winds up for a slap shot while he's skating. So, you know, the thing is like, you want to take a slap shot, you got to stop. You can't do that in mid. And so he just winds up and he just fell right head first into the boards. And I'm like, oh man, you 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 got you got to stop to wind up for that kind of thing. So again, I really uh, really relate to it. An- another character I wanted to mention too that I recognize was Han- I think it was Hans. Is that what his name is? Hans yeah, or whatever. Hans. Um, when I saw him, I when, at first I thought it was Tom Poston from Newhart, but then he started talking, and you see him close up, and I realized it was the bad guy from Lethal Weapon Two. Remember Diplomatic Immunity? Remember yes. that guy? Yeah, I recognized yeah, 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 yeah. him too. Yeah. And then um, the scene where Hans has the old photo of Emilio Estevez as a kid with his dad. I so much wanted, when they showed that photo, for the dad to be Martin Sheen. I was just like, please be Martin (laughs) Sheen in that photo. That would have been awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And on the same wall, there's like a picture of Mike Medano as a young guy, which I mean comes in, you know, like they're in, they're based out of Minnesota. But yeah, like that wall, it's like, and you, you kept it? (laughs) Like it's still on your wall. However, many decades later, you know, like at least two decades later. Oh yeah. That one stayed up there. And like that guy's hockey shop is a literal castle. The only time they show it from the outside, the thing is it covers the whole screen and it's got like a banner that says like, you know, Hans hockey shop or whatever it is. And like, I, I didn't even notice it until I watched it for like, like I needed to prep for this, but I watched it to, you know, watch it one more time. I'm like, Holy cow. Like that thing is gigantic. Well, the, the thing that got me about that scene was when Han says to him, you scored 198 goals that season. And I'm mm. like, what? It's not like they play an 82 game season in kids hockey. They play probably play like 20 games. So you're telling you know me what that's a reference to, Chris? What? Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, when but- he was in Brantford. He scored like 300 and some odd goals as a peewee. And then, like, that's when everybody was all crazy for him. Yeah, but I, I just I remember those crazy numbers. I remember that, too. I was at the Hockey Hall of Fame, I think it was last year or the year before. And I took my kids there and, and they had um, a Howe and Gretzky exhibit. And they had um, Wayne Gretzky's card from Brantford when he was young and all the goals that he scored. But he wasn't scoring 10. He wasn't averaging 10 goals a game for 200. I, I think my point is, is I was thinking if any player averaged 10 goals a game, they would never quit hockey because one penalty shot hit the friggin' post. Yeah. yeah in Pee Wee. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. And, and and I just want to just touch base on a few things about Emilio Estevez in this role. So first of all, there's a scene where he's teaching them all how to take a shot and the way he holds a stick, he like chokes up on the stick. He just looks uncomfortable shooting. And this is not a guy that scored 200 goals in a season as a kid. And the second thing that I noticed was when he puts on the skates and he goes to the rink at night to skate around, you can totally tell that that is not him skating. I mean, there's close-ups of him skating, but when the camera pulls back and it shows the guy skating, it is so obvious that it's like a stuntman skate. It doesn't even look like him. 
you know, and, and it's not that I'm knocking him for it because I mean, if it was me, you wouldn't even get the close up shots. Well, actually you, you probably would because you'd have to zoom in so you couldn't see the chair that I'd be holding <laughs> because I want to just mention something, full disclosure, I'm Canadian, but I can't skate. Yeah. My, my, I'm not a fantastic skater either. I never, I never played ice hockey as a kid. Cause I didn't learn to skate till I was 20. I used to do a TV show here in Ontario and it was a sports show. And in one of the episodes, my co-host and I did figure skating and it was bad. I mean, really, really bad. Um, it's Please available. tell me you still have video footage of that. It's, it's actually available on YouTube. Not that I'm suggesting that you go and watch it because it's embarrassing as hell. What's it called? Uh, it's called insult to injury figure skating. Yeah, you look it up, you'll find. And, and, and we just we just played it all for, for laughs because I couldn't skate. But it's me basically on a chair and holding onto a chair. Um, so anyway, so so this movie starts to get into a little bit of a little bit about the typical Hollywood formula because Emilio Estevez goes to apologize to the kid and the kid invites him to stay for dinner and the mom's a single mom. So, you say, OK, we've got our romantic interest. I'm like, check, checking that one off. And a couple of other things that, that came to mind uh, about it being dated, you know, the montage when when the team gets the equipment and the jerseys. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Dreams come true. But they're playing Good Vibrations by Marky Mark and yeah. the Funky Bunch. Like, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm like, this is so dated. Yeah, it was a big song in 92. It man. was. Don't knock it. <laughs> and you mentioned the Karate Kid before. The one kid actually quotes the Karate Kid. He's like, wax oh, yeah. on. Wax on, wax, wax on. Wax yeah. Several times they <laughs> yeah. reference it, too. Like, even at the end of the movie, one of the kids references part of the line and the other kid references the other. And I'm like, why did they not like make their own from it? But the, they played it all the way through. Now the scene when the, the, the kids skate around the mall on roller blades. Amazing. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, not the word I would use. But okay, I, I, me too. Me too. I thought it was horrific. If you're shooting a movie that takes place in Minneapolis and you're going to have kids skating around a mall, why the city center? Why wouldn't you have them rollerblade through the Mall of America? It's like the biggest mall in the United States. It just seems like a, a missed opportunity to have a bunch of kids rollerblade around there. Again, just ah, problems with the direct. Well, again, also think in 92, this was probably around the time when inline skates were just starting to become a thing. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. got to think that part of the reason that scene is in there at all is to for product placement purposes. I mean, Disney never misses a chance to make a buck. And I got to think that that was a huge opportunity for them to, uh, to have some sponsorship in this movie. Cause the scene just seems silly and you're not going to teach a guy to skate in one afternoon so that he's competent enough to go and play on the team. I just, I thought this, I mean, I have a lot of reality issues with this movie, but that was one that I was just like, please give me a break. Who we were talking about act, actors and in, in, in the parts, who was the actress that played the mom? I haven't seen her in anything else. No, I didn't recognize her. I, I looked her up and I didn't like, you know, sometimes you look up someone on their IMDb page and you're like, oh yeah, they're from that. Mm -hmm. No, I'm looking at her IMDb page. It's like, okay, she's in these movies that I've seen, but none of them. I'm like, like it says here, she's only been in eight things. And her last performance was in 1999. So the team name of the ducks obviously comes from the sponsor, the law firm of Mr. Duckworth. But I just want to talk about the name for a minute, because when I think of the the Anaheim Mighty Ducks or, or whatever, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim or whatever the hell they call themselves. Uh, I remember when Disney bought into the league, they bought that franchise. It all came off 
not just to me, but I think to a lot of people as just a cheap marketing scheme. I remember Michael Eisner being out like on the ice and he was like blowing a duck call and stuff like that. It just, I don't know, the whole thing just felt disingenuous. And I think maybe that was, uh, you know, my take on this movie too, is like, I kind of went in thinking, oh, I don't know about this, but did, did, did you guys, I mean, you're, you're younger than me, obviously, Robbie, but when the, the, the Mighty Ducks came out, I want to say it was 93, no, 94, I think it was when they came into the league. Um, it just, I don't know, the whole thing just felt like, like I say, like a marketing scheme. That changed my life. <laughs> that marketing scheme changed my life. Um, I am currently holding in my hand a Mighty Ducks hat that was the hat I had when I was, I don't even know when. Um, it's got the NHL brand on it with the Disney insignia. So, like, you know, from the start. But it was D3 in the third period when they, instead of wearing their junior varsity things, came out with the, the actual ducks logo and i don't know if the ducks had already existed at that point in time or not but yeah it it was i mean that whole thing was nhl expanding into um southern u.s right so it was like san jose they went to anaheim and you're right they were like the mighty ducks of anaheim and then they i think now it's just like anaheim mighty ducks or duck i'm sure it's still mighty in some sense they dropped the mighty they've been the anaheim ducks yeah they're just uh, 2006 which i believe was logo was badass so yeah I believe in the 2006, 2007 was the year they won the Stanley cup championship, which has got to really hurt fans of teams like say the Toronto Maple Leafs who have been waiting since 1967 <laughs> to have another cup hoisted. And here's this Disney team that's yeah. 13, 14 years into the league. As you just said, probably considered a joke initially um, wins the Stanley cup championship in 2000, uh, 2006, 2007. Like, uh, I mean, in all fairness, the team, by then really came together. They had some franchise players. They've had some guys go into the hall of fame who uh, played some significant games on the ducks. So, I mean, although they might've been a little bit of a joke or a laughing stock initially um, from a professional sports point of view, they've, uh, they've more than proven that they're a legit franchise. Yeah. I mean, their first season, like they, they were not good. I mean, they had Paul Korea, but yeah. you know, I mean, they- he Haber was their goalie, Terry Yake. I'm telling you guys, I was into it. All right. Uh, Todd Ewan was a defenseman. I have a poster. Yep. Bobby Dolis in my head. Yeah. Uh, it was not a great time, but I'm totally with you. Like it was a um, we're going to have a team and it's going to go here. But they did the same thing with San Jose and Kelly Rudy ended up as the goalie because he cost too much for L.A., whatever it was. Right. It's the same thing we saw a couple years ago with Vegas coming in. Money can make a team better. Now, Vegas, obviously getting all the way to the Stanley Cup finals ridiculous like that shouldn't have happened it was a wake-up call to a lot of other professional hockey teams but from a movie franchise standpoint i can't think of another um movie that spawned like a professional sports team by name off the top of my head i I did try to look it up earlier and i don't think anything popped up but um i mean you know durham bulls with um baseball but triple a not you know the highest level uh, Robbie, I'm really glad that you mentioned uh, Guy Hebert because I, I, one of my favorite hockey memories was when the, the, the Ducks first started out and Guy Hebert was their goaltender. And that the, the, all these you'd watch all these Canadian Hockey Night in Canada and stuff like these Canadian shows and they would talk about Guy Hebert, Guy Hebert. And then I remember seeing him interviewed one time and he said, my name is Guy Hebert. I'm from the United States. I was born in For America. real? Yes. Yes. And, yeah, I, I, was say, and I was like, oh my God, I love that. That's like one of the greatest things ever. 
So I've always liked Guy Hebert. So it's Guy Hebert. Guy Hebert. Yeah. I don't like him anymore. <laughs> that's because he's not I'm Canadian. American. I don't like him because that's that's not the name I knew. Oh my god! So much is changing tonight. Oh I know. no! I know. I know. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so there's the scene where the kids overhear Emilio Estevez talking to the bad guy coach and they hear him say those things out of context, like they're losers, they gotta, they should die. And they walk away. And then I was thinking right away, I was like, Derek, this is one of my pop culture pet peeves coming up because it follows that typical Hollywood formula. Everything goes to crap in the second act. You know, and this is exactly what happened. Um, I will mention one thing. Um, they go to Mickey's Dining Car, which is a real place in Minneapolis. Well, it's actually in St. Paul, but I used to travel to the Twin Cities a lot for business back in the day. I've probably been there at least 10 times, and that's a real place. I've been there, and I recognized it right away. So I did like how they incorporated some of the the local spots into the movie. That's always cool. So speaking of local culture, then, I want to bring up a point here. During the movie... The um, some of the players refer to Emilio Estevez's character as cake eater. Oh, and yeah. I mm-hmm. didn't understand what that meant when I was watching the movie. I had to look it up. Now, my mind went immediately to. So my wife is married to an Italian woman. Mm-hmm. And so her family calls him Munji cake. Munji cake. I see. That's what I thought, too. So that was sort yeah. of where I thought this was going. But the kids that were calling Emilio Estevez the cake eater, like some of these kids were white kids. So I was like, these kids don't seem to be Italian. So I don't really understand the the connection here. And it turns out I was totally wrong. And uh, wow. no offense to any, uh, you know, Italian listeners who may have been offended by what I just said. But uh, the, the note I got out of the IMDb here says um, mm-hmm. this term is actually a well-known, is a well-known throughout Minnesota and refers to people who live in the city of Edina, a suburb of Minneapolis, a cake eater is saying a person is so rich that they can have their cake and eat it too. So I guess it's a, it's a slang of basically saying you're rich, you're well off, and, and you you don't understand our struggles because you, you come from money, you have cash. So, I, I mean, contextually, I sort of understood that was the gist of what they were saying, but it went way over my head because yeah. it, it, clearly it's a lo- local colloquialism that I was not familiar with. And I just think like it's nice to pepper in some some local bits and bobs. But to me, that one, because they used it a few times and didn't really explain it, I thought that was a little bit of a miss. Yeah, I agree. I thought when when they were saying that, I thought it was more of a Marie Antoinette kind of thing or like the manja cake thing, but like a class thing. Um, Another thing I wanted to mention about it being dated, the scene in the classroom when the science teacher is talking about different molecules and he oh, asked yeah. the class and he's like, what are the blue balls? If this movie had been made today, you just know they would have gone there with the joke. You know, like, oh, I was sure. expecting it, you know. Um, and then the other thing I thought was kind of funny was that all of a sudden they go back to the rink and the chauffeur is on the bench with the team. Like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, wearing a jersey. Yeah, like, I know. What's up no, with that? Not just a jersey. He's got a jersey with a leather jacket on over it. And it was part of the recruiting team, guys. Oh, okay? okay, he went out there and got Fulton Reed after he broke the window with his slap shot. Hey, I hit the net one out of five times, you know. And he smashes two of the windows on the van, which they switched from a limo to a huge, like ten man van for some reason. <laughs> Who knows, right? You know, Mister Ducksworth wrote the check for fifteen grand, so all of a sudden the ducks went from uh, uh, rags to riches. But they ended up without a limo, and instead, you know, he's still getting driven around. But um, a few of those things were a little sketchy. But as a child, right. you know, it's okay to have an extra coach. So that, that's all. I think that's all he was doing, right? They liked him. Maybe they like here, stay in the. Seat. I guess. And, and like I, that I, kid, I, the kid that you mentioned uh, that was taking the slap shots at the thing, Reed. 
It, what the hell was the point of him wearing the eye black? Like, well, why are you wearing? Yeah, nobody in ass. hockey wears the eye black. The rumor is that he had football scholarships as early as thirteen, which like is a real thing in the States. Now, whether it was in the nineties, I don't know, but it's a real thing that kids can get scholarship offers that young. So I think that was to reference the fact that he's not actually a hockey player. He's a football player. I think that's what they may have been trying to make the connection. I got it. Uh, Derek, you want to jump in? Yeah, I was going to say for that, for the actor who, uh, who played Fulton Reed, uh, Eldon Henson, when I, I, saw him i recognized him i'm like oh i know that guy but i know him as a grown-up he was um one of the supporting characters in the um marvel property daredevil that was on netflix for three seasons uh he plays uh foggy nelson franklin nelson who is uh daredevil's uh law partner in, in his alter ego so that that was where i it, like took me a second to sort of connect the dots but i'm like oh yeah that's where i know him from but i do remember him being in some in in quite a few movies when he was still like a teenager so he's he's got a pretty reasonable uh uh resume and he's he's been working pretty consistently since he was uh in this movie so anyway just another, want to add that. another little thing that dated the movie for me was the 75 logo for the 75 years. Yes. I told yes. it was really small, but that I remembered that that was the 92, 93 season, which I, I still believe is the best season ever in the NHL. I don't know what it was about that season. It was so, there was like 15 players with over a hundred points. I remember Mario Lemieux won the scoring title, even though he missed like half the season with Hodgkin's disease. The Leafs went deep into the playoffs. And the, that was hands down my favorite year ever for hockey. So I, I saw know, that. Sure 75. Canadians won the Stanley cup that year. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. As a Boston fan living in Toronto, I got two reasons not to like that. Nah, but the Leafs should have went to the finals that year and played against Montreal. But yeah, it, it was totally a trip. Gretzky got away with one there. What? Uh, wait. wait. Yep. In ninety two, that was. I thought ninety two was Pittsburgh. Ninety four was Montreal. It was ninety two, ninety three. So it would have yeah, been ninety three Montreal. No, Montreal. I think that. I think ninety four was Montreal's last cup. Not no, that it matters. No, no, it ninety three. It was, was ninety three. It was okay, so then Pittsburgh would have been the years before. Ninety one and ninety two were Pittsburgh. That's correct. Okay, because yep. ninety four was that strike shortened year. Ninety four was I the sh- the strike shortened season. That's that's correct. when Lindros came in and changed the game, and yeah. then they canceled hockey on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sorry. now, what hockey movie would be complete without any real NHLers showing up in it? And in this one, you've got Basil McRae. And Mike Medano that have cameos. Uh, excuse me, Hockey Hall of Fame legend Mike Medano. Yeah, it was very good. Credit but, where credit is due. Come on. Now this scene got me thinking, and since Basil McRae was a tough guy, I have a question for you because we're all Canadian and we all like hockey and we know this stuff really good. Who was your favorite NHL fighter of all time, Derek? Ty Domi. Okay, Robbie. It's unfair. I grew up in Wawa. That's where two NHL legit tough guys are from. Denny Lambert. Mm-hmm. And Chris Simon. So I'm going with Chris Simon because he lived down the street from Good me. Pick. He's older than me. I loved Simon. Oh, my God. Oh, 25th overall pick. Great so times. mine, <laughs> mine was the Terminator, Dave Brown. I think most people would say Bob Probert was the best fighter ever in the history of the oh, NHL. That's a, that's a good pick too, but, Bob Probert. Yeah. yeah. But Dave Brown, I, I like. I know Bob, everyone's Bob Probert. To me, Dave Brown was the greatest fighter ever in the NHL. He was, was Brown favorite. a lefty. He all, was. all the like elite dudes are lefties, right? Cause no one's used to it. And then a buddy of mine uh, that I grew up with actually made the NHL and it ended up in a fight with Dave Brown. <laughs> oh my. Nice. <laughs> Jeez. Poor guy. Yeah. That was something else. <laughs> um, I, I want to say I, I, one thing I liked about the movie was the montage with the Randy Newman song. 
it, it wouldn't be a Disney pick without a Randy Newman song after all. I thought that that montage on the ice was pretty good. Um, another thing I, I I wanted to mention, the, they, they had real footage of a Stars game. They go to a Stars game. Did you yeah, notice? I wanted to talk about this too. Yeah, they were playing the Hartford Whalers. Yes, awesome. they were Amazing. before they became Carolina. But, but if I remember correctly, the Hartford Whalers were wearing the white sweaters in that game. And in at that time, the white sweaters were the home team. So Always, yeah. I think that was an error in that one, but, wow, but both those teams cool. ended you up moving. That. Minnesota left Minnesota ended up uh, North stars ended up leaving and going to Dallas, Texas, becoming yeah. the, the, the Dallas stars and the Hartford Whalers moved to Carolina to become the Carolina hurricanes. And I was reading both of those teams won Stanley cup championships after they left their hometown. So mm-hmm. just a little bit of, again, hockey trivia and, and that in the 75th anniversary logo. Wait, 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 Carolina won a Stanley cup that I didn't know about. Oh yeah. Yeah. Come on, Ron yeah. Francis. You don't remember that? No, like late, mid, late two thousands, maybe Oh seven, Oh eight. No, well, maybe that, even earlier. Wait, no, wait, maybe even earlier. No, so that's probably why. Cause again, I stopped watching hockey after the nineties. Um, I, I want to say I loved the old Hartford Whalers jersey with the whale tail yeah. built right into the H and the W. And you know what else I liked? Remember the little smiling whale that was on the sleeves of those jerseys? Oh, man. And that was they, that was back when there were players like John Cullen and Pat Verbeek and Murray Craven were on the team. Oh, remember Nick Kiprius was on the team, too? Speaking of enforcers. God, I love it. Oh, Zarly Zalapski, I remember, helped me win a hockey Zalapsky. pool. Oh, man, yeah. I love that guy. Um, I remember, Chris, back we when they had that... pro set hockey cards. Yes, yes. <laughs> Chris, I remember you and I were in a, a couple of hockey pools where you had to draft an enforcer as one of the categories, mm-hmm. and you got one point for every one penalty minute they had. Mm-hmm. And the first round of every hockey pool was like seven enforcers yes. drafted in a row before Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Patrick Waugh, <laughs> yep. all your position players. <laughs> I remember like, that. No, I'm going to get more points from drafting a guy who's going to spend time in the box and uh, it, it took us a few years to realize we had to divide the penalty minutes by yeah, three or four. By three, we did it. And yeah. even then, we still uh, were picking those enforcers in the first round. It was crazy. Well, yeah, because in 92, 93, I think it was, I, wa- I want to say it was like uh, Ty Domi or someone that had like 347 penalty minutes. Yeah, it was like three or 400 points. Well, that's way more points than Gretzky will get, right? So um, another thing, Emilio Estevez and the mom go on a date. And they go to the Winter Festival and they're looking at the ice sculptures. I got to say, if Yancey was still on the podcast... He wouldn't know what the hell a winter festival even was. But (laughs) (laughs) boys, we're all Canadian here. Hockey and winter festivals are just a part of life for us, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mentioned earlier, this one of the problems I have, it, it just it looks like a low budget movie. The lighting, especially the game scenes. Yeah, the hockey arena where they went really scenes with the, the young kids on the ice. The lighting was terrible. I don't you understand. What why? It was a wood roofed barn. So that, if that, you think about what a normal barn is or rink, sorry, is now, it all has like that aluminum reflective insulation type barrier. And I'm sure of it that the Hawks barn, which would have been where they did the bulk of the filming out of because they could just take the banners down. That had a wooden roof, which would be very hard for light reflection, which would make everything really shadowy. That's the only movie thing I could possibly tell why, you. Why, I don't understand why they didn't like mount some light. Why didn't they light the mount the movie properly? It's not like they blew the budget on some big name actors. 
I mean, Emilio uh, Estevez, Emilio wasn't, Estevez. He wasn't exactly Tom <laughs> Cruise, demanding Tom Cruise money. Hello. You know, back Coach in Riley. Riley. Jackson, come on. <laughs> Jeez. Um, another thing <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier about hockey and the intricacies of hockey and how maybe the uh, the audience might not get it. When the scene where they're side by side with the Hawks and they're all eyeing each other up, you know, it's the national anthem. Yeah. What the hell? Why are they lined up side by side? They should That's be standing on their own blue lines. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, like what, the- and you don't have the whole team out there. You have the starting line out there. Exactly. This is again where they take advantage of the fact that people don't know how generally how a professional hockey, and not that these were professionals, but if the audience doesn't understand how a hockey game normally runs, you can do whatever you want. And the, the thing, only thing and, I will say on that, yeah. guys, is that in Minnesota and Minnesota specifically, they have high school hockey championships, and maybe you've seen the YouTube videos that are like hilarious but some guy does like the top hockey hair for these high school tournaments and uh like it's just a whatever 10 minute youtube video on it and all of the team is announced and they all skate up to their own respective blue line and then they do some like hockey hair flip thing to their parents so not that they were doing this back in the 90s but perhaps that was part of it although again it was not like center of ice divided it was blue line and blue line but maybe they were trying to like you know let's just rotate this for the sake of TV or a movie. Yeah, maybe. Another thing during that scene was what was the deal with the fans cheering and chanting? Now, I've been to a lot of live sporting events in my lifetime. I've been to Major League Baseball, NHL, minor league games, even kids games. Never, ever have I ever heard a crowd chant, win, win, win. Like, (laughs) what the hell was that? (laughs) I I think it's just supposed to be a very clear indication that these are the parents of the Hawks or these are the fans. And, And yeah, I thought the same as you, Chris. I thought, okay, this is... Peewee hockey, if I remember correctly. So these are fairly young kids at a very low level. They're not professionals. They're not in high school. They're not in college. There's no NHL scouts. This is the people who are coming to this game. Legit are the parents of the kids playing maybe grandma and grandpa or, you know, Uncle Jeff, who happens to be in town this week for a business trip, that kind of thing. But the stadium is full, like full capacity, like everyone from the community is there. And that to me just seemed ridiculous um even if it is a championship game we're not talking like this is some little small northern ontario town where it's got a population of 2000 so people are like well i got nothing else better to do let's go to this like this is this is a big major metropolis in the united states like i cannot believe for a second that that many people would be to this kind of game the the bad guy coach we mentioned him before you know who you kind of remind what's that Coach Riley. Coach Riley. He reminded me of Martin Cove from The Karate Kid. And in that scene during the finals when he tells one of the kids to go out and take out Banks, I have have to expect him to sweep the leg. leg. (laughs) You know, I want him out. I want Banks out of this game. (laughs) Okay. I I need to talk about that scene for just a second. Sure. So the, the, the movie had some issues, especially when it came to their portrayal of hockey. Right. And this is one of those specific examples where they did something that was good for theater, but not accurate to hockey. So he clearly, uh, you know, checked them or pulled them or hooked them or something from behind and drew a penalty. Like, you know, it was it was an illegal play. He hooked them down and the ref's arm goes up. There's going to be a penalty. But the player scored a goal. And in hockey. If you score the goal before the penalty is actually doled out, the penalty comes off the board. 
you don't actually have to sit for two minutes unless, unless you were given multiple major. penalties or yeah. if it's a major. Yes. So that to me, I was just like, uh, although, yeah, that's that definitely something to be penalized for. I don't think that kid should be in the box. They scored a goal. So uh, that bugged me a little bit. The scene when Emilio Estevez is firing up the team before they hit the ice for the power play. It, it, it struck me a little funny, like the power play that shouldn't have been a power. Play. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so, so, so the, the, the quote unquote, <laughs> the quote, the quote unquote excitement from the kids just comes off as fake to me. Like, oh, yeah. I, and, and that's the director's fault. I mean, it, it's his job to get the best performances possible from his actors. And, and, and I just want to say, speaking of the director, he didn't really do much else, did he? He did Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, I think, in 101 Dalmatians, like the live action one. But, I mean, he, he wasn't a very prolific director. But the, the scene then where the girl does the figure skating spin and it distracts the other team and then she scores the goal and the guy from the other team comes over and body checks her. And then the Ducks player goes over and tosses the guy into the Hawks bench and he gets a game misconduct. But the guy that body checks the girl gets nothing. Like it just seems like such a 90s thing. I don't know. Just yeah. that, that but I did. I did note. Or I, I know again, after I watched the movie, I went and read some stuff about it. And it was a, interesting to note the two people that get ejected that, that are on the Ducks that are uh, removed from the game. So there's the, the kid that they get from the Hawks who gets Thanks. injured in the play I just talked about. Yep. And then the, 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 the big tough kid who stands Wolverine. up for his teammate. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> I love you to all their character. Names. I know. <laughs> so those I, two I, players, <laughs> yeah. So those two players leave the game, one for injury and one for penalty. So those were the two players that were added to the original team. So with them gone, when the team actually wins the championship, they're back to their, exact original roster of who was on the team when they sucked right at the beginning. So I'm sure that was a deliberate choice in the storytelling. Um, but uh, I did another the thing to note, the kid that they brought on again, I can't remember his name from the Hawks. Banks. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Uh, did you catch the number on his Nine, Jersey? Maybe. Yeah. It's like, Nine we're going to bring you the best kid in the league and we're going to give him number 99. And I was like, nice. Yeah. So, and there was and someone so, else on the team was wearing like 97 or something like that too. I noticed and did you happen to notice uh, when Emilio Estevez uh, has his flashback, what number is on his sweater? Little nine, Gordy. Baby. Number nine for Gordy. Which, Gordy Howe. I thought, that's exactly right. I thought that was perfect that they were like, this is Gordy Howe, you know, like a kid that would look up to Gordy Howe. And then, you know, when they flash forward and it's the same thing where Banks is nine and you're like, I get it. So Banks is supposed to be the new version of Bombay, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. No, it was again. It's some of that little hockey wink, wink. Right. If you know hockey, there yeah, are some of those old Easter eggs in there for you. But at the same time, if you know hockey, that wasn't a penalty. So <laughs> <laughs> one, you one thing that happened both ways. One thing that stood out to me in, in the next scene was the flying V. Now, the thing is, it could have been such a huge thing, you know, like, like, like it could have been a big part of the movie. But instead, it just comes off as this minor part that happens. Again, to me, it's on the director. The director of this movie sucked. It, the whole thing, it, it kind of comes off as an amateur film. You know what I'm saying? I do. I agree. I, I know Robbie doesn't, but. Um, I, that's why I'm silent over here. I'm, my job, I'm trying to get my job. Like, 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 I, like I mentioned before we came on there, don't get mad at me. Okay? I, just, I just say it. Um, so then, of course, the kid gets hauled down on a breakaway and he gets a penalty shot. And then the surrogate son gets to take the penalty shot so it's just so predictable and then when the kid scores one thing that went through my mind i was like please ride your stick down the ice 
(laughs) 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 I remember my roommate in university told me this story when he was a kid, he was at this hockey tournament and it was like the first period of like the the first game and he scored a goal and he wrote his stick down the ice, you know, like Tiger Williams used to do. And and he got kicked out for the rest of the tournament. (laughs) I don't don't know why I remember that story so much. That makes sense to me. (laughs) I just, I love that story. It was my, my, it was my roommate, John told me that it's always stayed with me. But anyway, I wish the kid in this movie would have done that. Score the goal and just ride his stick down the ice. So one thing I want to say. What's that? Sorry, Chris. For that, just to touch it, because you yeah. said the flying beast should have been a bigger thing. Yeah. And it's referenced in future movies because it gets stopped in one of the movies. I think when they play in like a finals against Iceland in D2. Hey, so whoa, whoa, I, whoa. I get, Spoiler alert. Oh. I haven't seen D2. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. Don't worry. Like you're going to rush worry. out and watch it after this. <laughs> I'm nominating that for next week, Chris. <laughs> hey, I don't know why you guys wouldn't have just included all of them, in, but I'll come back. We'll talk about <laughs> it. Greatest <laughs> trilogy ever. So, I, you know, I got I to gotta watch them. Hey, I'm here for it. Um, but they, so the, the, you know, flying V, which of course, when I played hockey, that was something we tried, didn't work, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, the, the best move in the movie is the triple deke, right? That's the whole point is that the heritage of the move or whatever, mm-hmm. the move itself is, is onto the next generation in Charlie from coach Bombay. And like, I've watched it a million times. I don't know what in the hell the triple deke is. It's not an actual triple deke because you can't do it, right? As soon as you move to one side, it's it makes sense, right? You shift to one side, shift to the other, blah, blah, blah. But there's no, like, patented anything. It's just stick handling. But that's why the flying V is like, a, oh, it's a cool, we're the ducks. This makes sense with what ducks do. Right. But the triple deke is like the, you know, bread and butter. This is the signature. So I agree. I think that the flying V should have been like, really neat and brought up but it also was just like five guys going up the ice insanely slow Mm -hmm. and all they did was enter the zone it's not like they did anything cool at the net they just got over the blue line you can do that just skating quickly (laughs) exactly (laughs) i I thought they were gonna like drop it back to each player in the v or something and it's like yeah yeah, they get the zone and they all go in different directions i'm like what's the point of this this seems dumb i felt like the kids were poorly cast and, yeah. and for me, this is an important thing to get right in this kind of movie. Like if you think of something like School of Rock or The Goonies, like those movies got the casting right. And this one just didn't do it. Not for me, at least. Do you agree with this uh, at all? I mean, Robbie, absolutely. I, I would say they were all unknown at the time. But when I look back on what I would have suspected a ragtag group of hockey players was, that wasn't it. I like the fact that they had girls on the team because I grew up with a girl. I grew up with actually I grew up with a sittler um, of the same uh, a niece of the great Daryl. Um, but I thought it was odd for sure. Like I would expect a um, you know Minnesota team to have like a lot more size. You know it's peewee, so there are kids that are two feet taller than other kids at that age too. But um, yeah, it wasn't like I wasn't excited you know goldberg as the goalie you know you got that's your classic fat kid kind of thing um afraid of pucks <laughs> but everybody else there were a lot of small kids on the team right mm-hmm. it wasn't a wasn't like a overly diverse they all kind of looked together or looked like they would have been about the same height and everything yeah yeah even just the, the individual actors like like you mentioned the fat goalie you know i just i didn't feel like it he was just very charismatic in any way or something so derek what do you think tried to be I don't know. I just I had a hard time believing that these kids were all the same age. Like even there's a scene where they're all in this class together in the science class and they quack at the principal. And it's like, I don't know, maybe just 
I, I, something about it. I just, I had a hard time believing these kids were around the same age. And that was my biggest beef around, like, would they all be on the same hockey team together? And it's almost like they really had to reinforce, oh yeah, they are all the same age. Look, they're all in the same class at the same school and everything. So, yeah. And then the movie ends with uh, Emilio Estevez going off and I think he was like joining some adult league or something. Uh, Got a tryout. Yeah, that was it. And, and since it's a Disney film, he doesn't get to resolve the romantic interest. You know, part of the movie, so that's the way it is. But I mean, you know, thankfully it ended. I was glad that it was over. What? <laughs> um, oh my god! But uh, <laughs> so let's go around uh, the table here. Robbie, score out of ten. What would you rate this movie? Oh, like double OT. This sucker in my childhood. I reflect back. This is a ten. Ten out of ten. Derek? Wow, Derek. Like it. It as a child, it hit the notes. And when I reflect back, I it's good vibes for me. I understand if it wasn't if it wasn't for everybody, mm-hmm. but like I grew up in small town, northern Ontario. Boom, ten out for of sure. 10. For sure. Uh, let, me, let me hang on. I, I need some context for this because I don't know you that well. So just just humor me for a second. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to rhyme off a couple of movie names. I need you to give me a score out of ten just for comparative purposes. Okay, you ready? Yes. Star Wars, 1977, the original Star Wars. Eh. Five. Are you? F- kidding me wow wow. this guy can't come back (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's a five but this is a 10 sci-fi guy how how about like uh how about something like the shawshank redemption oh that's great let's call that one a nine okay okay that that that's getting a little more into the warm area then okay uh sorry so chris what were you you want my score on this yeah what would you give it out of 10 (sighs) well i i was just listening the other day to our uh, Remo Williams episode, and mm-hmm. I, I very graciously gave Remo a five out of ten. So mm-hmm. I think the Mighty Ducks is probably earns about a five and a half. Oh, you like this better than Remo Williams? That's that's shocking. Uh, well, it's I think again, it's hockey, so I have to you know represent my Canadian side of me needs mm-hmm. to like sort of say like, hey, it's a hockey movie. It spawned two sequels. Um, it it's it's you know the major NHL franchise was was spawned out of this. So there's there's a lot of stuff that spun out of it that I can support. So. Series, really? Yeah, and I only know that from Disney, like Disney Plus or whatever. I, there's a um, a cartoon series. Of, I think it was single season. Doesn't matter. It was you know the Mighty Ducks, um, and it's just like jacked, roided out looking versions of the mascot of the mighty ducks who are wow. playing. I didn't, I, I tried one episode with my kid. He wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. Neither was I. Wow. I, yeah, I'm going to stick with my six. Yeah. Chris? So you're going to go with a six. You said five and a half, I guess. So, I also <laughs> am a proud Canadian who loves hockey. And as a result of being proud Canadian and loving hockey, this movie gets a three. <gasps> oh, oh no. That seems very generous of you, Chris. And 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 on that note, I've made zero new friends today. <laughs> hey, uh, actually, it doesn't you matter if you down, like it or not. You might down a couple of friends with that. Uh, with uh, with that. So yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, time now to have some fun with caveman. All right, Derek. Uh, it was technically my movie this week, so the trivia segment is over to you. What do you have for us? Okay, so we're going to try something a little new here. So since we've got nice. two people that need to field this trivia question, okay, I'm going to pit you against each other. Oh, nice. I like that. But not not in our traditional way. So what I've got here is 
I'll explain how it's going to work. There's going to be 10 questions. Okay. I'm going to give the first 10 questions to our guest. Nice. And Chris, I'm going to ask you to sort of be off camera while we do this. And then I'm going to call you back. I'm going to give you the same 10 questions. Okay. And I want to see who gets more of them correct. All right. In, in, in you you know in uh, in the time we've got okay it's so like a shootout in hockey let's just yeah let's all right so what I'll do so so what you're saying is you want me to to take off my headset and walk away well not yet go get another beer I'm gonna set it up I'm I can get I can go get another beer that's fine yes yes okay so I okay, I'm set hoping, it up and then I'll walk away I'm hoping this isn't more complicated so now I know you guys have a history uh, your friendship spawned out of baseball. And I know that the Mighty Ducks is a hockey movie, but this this game works better with baseball. So I am going to give you the name of a baseball team featured in a major Hollywood movie. I want you to name the movie. I like it. Now, I will be upfront and say that half of the questions feature real life, real baseball teams and in those specific instances, I will give you the year that's featured in the movie. Okay. Okay. So if I was to say like Toronto Blue Jays, 1998, you know that then I'm talking about a real life movie that takes place that's featuring real life things. But if I just said Toronto Blue Jays, 1998, if I just said Toronto Blue Jays and didn't give you a year, it's a fictional movie that just happens to feature the Toronto Blue Jays. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. Chris, if I can get you to uh, go off mic and okay. I will send you a message when we're ready to have you come back. All right. That sounds like an idea. Uh, so I'm going to take off my headset <laughs> right now and I'm going to go get myself a beer. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm going over here and okay, I'm getting a beer. He's got a very sensitive mic, but very crappy headphones. So we're good. All right. <laughs> Okay, now I, I'm going to throw on a timer just in case we need uh, to, you know, I've got some tiebreakers in mind, but on the off chance that uh, you guys are equally good, I want to get a sense of who can answer these 10 most quickly. Now, if you stumble on a question and you're clearly not getting it, I'm going to give you one of two hints. My okay. first hint is going to be the year in which the movie came out. The second hint is going to be the main star of the movie. And if you still don't know it from then, I'm going to pass and move on to the next question. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. okay. So in each case, I'm going to give you the name of a baseball team. Some of them are real. Some of them are fictional. I want you to tell me the movie in which that team. And in some cases, the team of that specific year were featured. Okay. Sounds good. Ready. All right. Ready? Here we go. New York Yankees from 1961. Oh, 61. I'll take a hint on this. Uh, the movie came out in the year 2001. The movie starred the actor Barry Pepper. Oh, man, I'll pass that. I don't know okay. that one. I feel the, terrible. The Oakland A's <laughs> from 2002. Oh, Moneyball. Yes. Cleveland Indians. Uh, well, it could be several, but it's major league. It's yes, it is. One. Of course. <laughs> All right. Tampa Bay Devil Rays, 1999. The Devil Rays in 99. <sighs> I don't know. The movie was released in 2002 and the star was Dennis Quaid. Oh, uh, is it the rookie? Yes. Yes, it yes. is. All right. 
Boston Red Sox, 2004. I, I just don't like the Red Sox ever. So uh, them on screen doesn't sound good. Hmm. Hit me for that one. It came out the next year, 2005, and it starred Jimmy <laughs> Fallon. Oh, God, what a terrible movie. Um, uh, what is the name? He was with Qu- Queen Latifah was in that. Uh, no, she was not. Drew Barrymore was. Yes. I can't remember the name, though, but it wasn't right. good. We'll pass. We'll come back to it. Chicago White Sox, 1919. Uh, I don't know on that one. That's that's backing me up. Released, released in 1988 and starred John Cusack. Oh, wow. This I should know, but I'm I'm not. 1919 I'm not. White Sox. Yeah, like I know what happened. 1919 but. Black Sox. Yeah, I just don't know the We're movie. We're skipping that one. Okay. Yeah. Dang. No year associated with this. California Angels were featured in what movie? Uh, Angels in the Outfield. Yes. Detroit Tigers. Detroit Tigers. Like, obviously, I know the team, but I'm, I can't think of a movie they were specifically surrounded. Movie they came out the- in 99 and starred Kevin Costner. Oh. Oh, come on. Uh, old man throws the perfect game. Yep, that's the one. What, what is the name of this movie? I, I don't know the name of the movie. All right, we're going to pass on that one. Oh, the, new, the New York Knights. Oh, baby, the natural. There you go. Yeah, got one. Okay. Last on the list, the Rockford Peaches. Oh, uh, there's no crying in baseball. That's um, the one. Oh, come on. Tommy Hanks. Uh, <laughs> why can I not think of the name? Um, this is horrific that I can't even think of. I'm, I'm thinking of everything but the name of the movie. Uh Dang, I don't know. I can't think of it. Okay, we're going to stop there. Okay, so uh, I'm not going to say the answers yet because I I want the listeners, if they don't know the answers, to see if Chris can get them. So I just want to go back and mark off the ones that that you got. So, okay, so let me me just give Chris the heads up. I had to uh, look up the last one. That bugs me. (laughs) (laughs) That bugs me. Okay, we've, we've invited Chris back. Hopefully he okay. uh, is receptive. Dang. Well, I, I I think Chris might miss a few of these. I think I think you're still in the running here. Uh, hello. All right, Chris, you're back. Yes, I got your text. All right, so uh, our guest got five out of the ten questions correct. That's Hall of Fame for baseball, baby. Five hundred. Yeah, five hundred. <laughs> so, Let's see if I can do better than that. Yep. Okay, Chris. So just a reminder, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the name of the team. The base. These are all baseball. The name of the team featured in the movie. Mm-hmm. You name the movie. If you're not sure, I give you a hint of the year the movie came out and the actor, the main actor that starred in the movie. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. You ready? You, went, you let me know. Uh, are you I'm ready? A, Let's give. You I'm a baseball just, fan and I'm a movie fan, so bring it on. What do you got? All right. So <laughs> I only got to be five. Out so. here, I, I, I've got the time here. Whoops. Let me. Nope. We're stopping that. We're resetting. Okay. Chris. Yes. We're ready. Yes. Okay. First one. New York Yankees, 1961. Uh, is it 61? Yes, it is. Nice. The Oakland A's from 2002. Oh, Moneyball. Yes. The Cleveland Indians. Oh, uh, Major League. Yes. 
Tampa Bay Devil Rays, 1999. Ooh, Tampa Bay Devil Rays, 99. I need a hint. It came out in 2002, and it starred Dennis Quaid. Was it Rookie of the Year? It was called The Rookie. I'll give the you rookie, that rookie. Okay. Oh, come Ro- on. Rookie of the Year is a no, movie. No, no, no. <laughs> I can't, you can't give me that one. Rookie of the Year is where the, the kid throws the, the fastball. Yeah, no, that I'm wasn't it. that one. All right. <laughs> I don't deserve uh, it. Question number five. Boston Red Sox, 2004. Oh, Fever Pitch. Yes. Damn it. Chicago White Sox, 1919. Eight men out. Yes. California Angels. Uh, Angels in the outfield? Yes. Detroit Tigers. Uh, Was it Kevin Costner's For Love of the Game? Yes. Yes. Uh, The New York Knights. The New York Knights. That wasn't Bruce. No, that was Hackensack Bulls. Uh, Hint. It came out in 1984. The New York Knights in 1984. I don't know. It starred Robert Redford. Oh, The Natural. Yes. Yes. And the last question, The Rockford Peaches. Oh, that's uh, League of Their Own. Yes, yeah. Chris. Oh. You went oh. Oh, my God. oh, my God. I bow down before thee. <laughs> oh, man. Well, nice. technically, I didn't get, because I said Rookie of the Year, and it was the rookie. So, I mean, I, okay, I, well, so it doesn't say, help me. Okay. So, <laughs> Arguably, sixty-one could be also called sixty-one star or sixty-one asterisk. Sixty-one. I've heard it all three yeah. ways. I'm giving you for sixty-one. It's That's sixty-one. Fine. Yeah. All right. No, that was uh, that was a, a, a true display of sports and pop culture knowledge good job my friend that's that's where my worlds kind of meet baseball and movies so, yeah i mean it was a perfect thing and for you me. did it in exactly half the time that robbie did oh wow. exactly oh. to the second <laughs> well you know baseball can't wait timed okay so. yeah <laughs> good point <laughs> i'll have to listen to the show back and see what it sounds like um okay so uh uh, Robbie, I want to say thanks a lot for joining us this week. I really appreciate it. You're, you're a fellow Canadian. You're a fellow podcaster, a fellow fantasy baseball podcaster. Everyone can find you on Twitter at Robbie Baseball One. Um, thanks for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I'm sorry I didn't like your movie. It, you know what, Chris? It's okay. I, I've had to deal with this kind of stuff. Um, you know, you people uh, who don't like the Mighty Ducks my whole life, and that's okay. Um, you know, it was great to come on. And, and Derek, I appreciate you having me on, and I wish that your questions were easier for me to answer. Uh, and I definitely wish that I, I would have known a league of their own because I knew everything about it, just like Fever Pitch. But the most important thing. Yeah, you had you had the, the details. And I eight men out. I was shocked you didn't get that one. Well, uh, yeah, sometimes. You know, you just get so pumped up and so excited. But uh, let's just pretend that my brain was thinking hockey and we we went down to baseball. And, but anyway, yeah, I greatly appreciate it, guys. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy listening to your show. Uh, Pleasantville, I thought, was like awesome. Probably one of the best podcasts I listened to this year was that episode. And um, yeah, you. like just because I love the movie and I thought people didn't. So I was hoping you would have been on my side for Mighty Ducks, but that's OK, you know. <laughs> and, and, and the Pleasantville one was one of the few movies that Derek's nominee that I actually really liked. I thought it was fantastic. So, yeah, there was so much it. new little yeah. movie cinema stuff for both you guys in that. But anyway, maybe Mighty Ducks didn't hit it. But uh, yeah, again, thanks a lot, guys. Maybe we'll have you back and we'll do D2. 
than oh, Mighty oh, Ducks 2. Oh, oh, that's, yeah. just, that's just crazy talk. We yeah. can, you're welcome to come back, <laughs> but you got to pick something outside of the Mighty Duck franchise. I was just going to say, else. one of these 10 that you, you just yeah, stuck me on half of them, Derek, I, I could certainly, you know, go. The Natural was one of the movies I thought was going to be really boring, old school style baseball. And mm-hmm. the reason I knew it off the top when you said it was I was just like sucked in. I thought it was such a cool movie. Um, but again, you know. This we, is your realm, not mine. Yeah, we need to do Major League and have you come back and do that one. That's what I oh think. Oh, my God. That's such a God, movie. that was so I love so that movie so much. Uh, yeah. Next week, uh, Derek, it's your pick for a movie. So uh, what do you want me to watch? Well, before I go to that, I just want to do a little show note here. We were mm-hmm. talking about Stanley Cup championships earlier in this movie since mm-hmm. we did review a hockey movie. The Carolina Hurricane, formerly known as the Hartford Whalers, won the Stanley Cup championship in 2006. They defeated the Edmonton Oilers. And the Anaheim Ducks, as we previously discussed, won the Stanley Cup championship the very next year in 2007, and they beat the Ottawa Senators. So there we go. Some and uh, Dark days for hockey them. right there. Yeah. Dark days. And uh, yeah. Uh, in the 90s, Pittsburgh Penguins, 91 and 92, Montreal Canadiens, 93, mm-hmm. and the New York Rangers, 1994. Yeah, they beat the Vancouver Canucks in 94. That's right. Sure did. I, I know where I was watching it uh, watching it out in uh, Manitoulin Island at my cousin's cottage. Oh, nice. 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 Little, little deep cut there, Canadian content. All right. So, Chris, for next week. Yes. We're going to stick with my... One of my favorite genres, science fiction. Oh, we did Edge of Tomorrow for the last one with uh, Tom Cruise, yep. which was sci-fi. We're going to mm-hmm. stick in the sci-fi, but I think I've, I've kind of I'm going to lean a little into your sweet spot here, and we're going to go with Star Trek from 2009, directed by J.J. Abrams, the reboot of the Star Trek, the original series, Captain Kirk, Ooh. Mr. Spock franchise, Star Trek 2009. I want you to take it away. Mm. I want you to give it a watch. I know you are very familiar with the original franchise. That should be enough for you to come to the podcast with all sorts of great ideas and opinions. And you can tell me why you hate it. And I'll tell you why you're wrong. (laughs) And we'll talk about this great movie next week. Have you seen it? Let me ask I, you no, I have not seen it. And I think it's an inter- interesting pick on your part because I love the original series. As I mentioned, I watched it when I was growing up as a kid um, in reruns back in the, in the late 70s. And I thought that was great. The first movie was terrible, but Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, I loved. We did that on a previous show. So I think this is going to be interesting. And J.J. Abrams was, was I liked him on Lost. Um, he was okay with the Star Wars stuff. So I think this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm just warming you up here because uh, it stars Chris Chris Pine as uh, the new Captain Kirk, mm-hmm. and in a very uh, it, one of the upcoming episodes that we're going to do in the next few weeks, I am going to recommend that you watch another Chris Pine Pine movie called Unstoppable, which is directed by the late great Tony Scott, uh, one of my all time favorite directors. So get ready for a Chris Pineathon, starting with Star Trek from 2009. What, what's Unstoppable about? It's about a runaway train. It stars Denzel Washington and Chris Pine. Mm. It's great. I liked it the first time I saw it back in the 80s when it was called Runaway Train. Well, we can talk about that in a month or so. But <laughs> yeah, for next week, nice. get your Star Trek on. Captain Kirk's taking over the helm of the Enterprise. Let's talk all about it next week. Sounds like a deal. All right. At Amaron underscore DM on Twitter for Derek. At C. McBrien for me. And popgoesyourworld.com is our website where you can find all of our contact information. This is Chris McBrien for Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. 
Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.